0: In this week's episode, I talk with Mindy, and we discuss what being a crossdresser means for her and how life is for her in San Antonio, Texas, as a public crossdresser. We touch on her life and what tips she has for other crossdressers. I also talk about the new Snapchat filter that everyone's talking about in this week's Yas of the Week. This is episode 20. You ready? Yes!
1: Yes, yes,
0: yes! Yes, 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 yes! Yes, 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 yes! Yes, 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 yes! Yes, 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 yes! Welcome to the Cross Yes Podcast. The podcast that says yes to everything related to cross dressing and gender. I'm still your host, Giselle Mirsal. Catch me on Instagram at Giselle Mirasol and follow the podcast there too at Cross Yes Podcast. It's on Facebook and Twitter as well at Cross Yaas. That's spelled C-R-O-S-S-Y-A-A-S. If you're looking to contact the podcast with your feedback or considering sharing your own personal story on the podcast, well, we got email. It's crossyasspodcast at gmail.com. That's C-R-O-S-S-Y-A-A-S podcast at gmail.com. Almost June, guys, and that means L.A. Pride is coming up. May 31st to June 9th is Pride Week at West Hollywood, California. And yeah, I know that's longer than a week, but for those of you who don't know, Pride is a celebration of equality and unique heritages within the LGBTQ community, and more. It's a celebration for everyone, and I'll be there for the LA Pride Festival, which takes place on Saturday, June 8th from 12pm to 1am, and Sunday, June 9th, 12pm to 11pm. 20 episodes, guys. 20 episodes of The Cross, yes, podcast, and I've made leaps and bounds from where I first started to where I am today. I can't believe I've made it this far and I'm trying to get back to my weekly episode release. Last week's episode about moms was an emotional one for sure, where you heard several people talking about their mothers, including my coworker Sharla, my girlfriend Kirsten, and I even got my own mom to talk about my late grandmother and what it means to be a mom. If you haven't heard it yet, please listen to that one. It's a bit heavy with emotion, but I promise, it's good. Speaking of good, let's get to the... Of the week. The big craze in the past couple weeks has been Snapchat's gender bender filter. Snapchat has a new filter making waves. It's the gender swaps your face. This Snapchat filter is found on the social media app Snapchat and allows you to change your so-called gender from male to female or female to male. It's all in good fun and it's been something that I've heard talked about in the past couple weeks both online and in my friend circle. It's been fun, sure, but let's analyze Snapchat and the filter a bit more, shall we? I first heard about this from Kirsten, my girlfriend, when she showed me a short video online of a person with a feminine looking face, you know, with shoulder length hair, made up face, nice eyebrows, but it appeared to be on a person's broad tattooed chest, which looked like a male bodybuilding chest. This person also was covering their nipples with their forearm, which I found kinda odd. Cause this didn't show quite all of this person's chest, but what was visible was this huge tribal tattoo, but again, a feminine face. Then all of a sudden, near the end of the video, the big reveal was the person removed their forearm and uncovered what appeared to be a masculine chest with tiny nipples, but still a feminine face. I was confused, but Kirsten laughed and told me that this was used by the new gender changing filter on the app on Snapchat, which left me quite curious. So for those of you who don't know anything about Snapchat, Snapchat is a social media app that allows you to send pictures and messages to other people. Seems unoriginal, right? Well, the unique thing about this app, at least from when it first started over seven years ago, was the messages and the pictures you sent were only available for a short period of time, meaning there was like a timer for them. It was a way where you could be discreet about the things that you sent to people. Think naughty photos, like boobs. (laughs) Oh, that's hot, that's hot. But also dick pics. Oh my God, now this is worse than I thought. I'll talk more about dick pics in another episode because I used to get a lot of them. Anyways, fast forward to today, And you'll find that Snapchat isn't as popular as it once was because Instagram, Snapchat's biggest competitor, added Instagram stories. Which has all the same features of Snapchat, but Instagram is also linked to your Facebook. According to socialmediatoday.com, as of January 2019, Instagram averages 500 million users per day to Snapchat's 189 million daily active users. Despite the large disparity in numbers and the similar functions, Snapchat today still seems to maintain their unique filters for users' faces and has other features where you can add cool stickers or things like Bitmoji, which is basically like a create your own avatar of yourself situation. So earlier this month, Snapchat released a gender changing filter app, which has brought some users back like myself and I've tried it. And I will say I look hot, or at least that's what Kirsten and our friends have told me when they saw my Snapchat female picture that was created with the filter. When I put my face in the gender bender filter, It's pretty remarkable how good the app works at making me look traditionally feminine. The new female picture appears to have shaven down my chin to give me a more heart shaped facial outline and it also got rid of my acne and blemishes. And also the filter got rid of my beard and 5 o'clock shadow and I also noticed the thinning of my eyebrows along with elongated eyelashes and subtle eyeliner. The makeup job is also pretty good. There's a gorgeous highlight and blush with a nude lipstick color on my lips. And lastly, the filter added shoulder-length hair, which not only is associated with femininity, but it made me look kind of younger and more gorgeous. I know, it's tough, but it did it, right? Can't make me more gorgeous than I am, but it did. You whore. Kirsten, my girlfriend, also has tried the app to see what she would look like as a man. And to me, well, she kind of looks like a Hawaiian surfer dude. Her new male-looking self on the app added a mustache, a bigger jaw, gave her more pronounced eyebrow bones, and a mohawk-looking haircut. I feel a Snapchat filter is great for a crossdresser like me and others who don't intend to use it for harm. When it's used to play tricks on others or poke fun at sex and gender, I think that's just kind of fucked up. I've read online and heard stories that there's been some use of this gender bending filter where guys will use their newfound feminine pictures and post them on dating apps to catfish people online. Yes, catfishing on the internet isn't new, but the Snapchat filter allows you to create a different version of yourself which is a troubling personal touch to the catfishing game. I also kind of agree with the majority of people, especially those within the LGBTQ community, who are disappointed in the Snapchat filter when they say that the app just reinforces gender binary features. Because it does. Like that men must have thick eyebrows and women only have thin eyebrows, how men must have short hair and how women must have long hair. The Snapchat filter does a good job at that. But it also makes transitioning from a male to female or female to male seem so easy, when in reality, it's not. So if you suffer with gender dysphoria, the Snapchat filter might confuse you or hurt you. Especially if you don't subscribe to gender binary features. But even with all that, you know what? I still enjoy using the Snapchat filter. And let me tell you why. I love seeing what I look like without my five o'clock shadow and not having to shave my beard. And I love looking like I have long hair without putting on a wig that makes me all sweaty. I can even create videos of myself with the filter singing songs as if I had traditionally feminine features. There's a cool video online that actually features a guy singing both parts to bring me to life by Evanescence. You know the song. It goes, wake me up wake, me up, can't wake up, wake me up I think if the app helps you feel the way you picture yourself, and you're enjoying it for your own personal reasons, then more power to you. But if you're looking at it to poke fun at the transition process or want to make others believe you're someone else again to cause harm like using the new photos you got with the filter on dating apps then i mean and yeah not a lot of people use snapchat anymore and the filter does have its flaws but the fact that the snapchat filter has got people talking about gender is a positive step towards understanding the world of gender more it's what i do with this podcast or at least it's what i am to do Do I recommend you to try out Snapchat and the Snapchat filter? I say, sure. As long as you're not stupid with what you do with it. At the end of the day, Snapchat is just another tool. It's how you use it. I just hope you're not using it for evil purposes, like making fun of people or poking fun at the transition process. Because it's really not as easy as going on an app, using a filter on your picture and saying, voila, change yo presto. I'm a man or I'm a woman now. Because it's not that easy. There's more to it. It's not just looks, people. It. so my yas of the week and it comes with the disclaimer goes to the snapchat filter that allows you to see what you would look like with traditional male or female features but i do hope you all realize that there's more to it than that and that was the yas of the week this week i talk with mindy a lovely crossdresser living in san antonio texas we reached out to each other on facebook and mindy shares our relationship with crossdressing with the podcast Mindy is an awesome guest and she talks about tons of things like safety going out when cross crossdress, her process in becoming Mindy, and she even shares some of her tips to become a savvy crossdresser on a tight budget. It was a good talk that ended kind of abruptly just due to technical reasons, but I think you'll find our talk refreshing. She was a fun guest with lots to share, so here goes. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hey guys, just want to talk about Anchor real quick. You know, I love Anchor so much. They've helped me so much with this podcast. It's free and they have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Really guys, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead and go to it. It's great. So welcome to the Cross the podcast, Mindy. Is Mindy okay?
1: Yeah, Mindy's fine. Okay, cool.
0: Welcome. So can you tell, can you talk to the podcast or let the podcast listeners know who you are? Just kind of talk about yourself.
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Melinda. Let's see. I've been, gosh, I've been cross-dressing since, whoa, probably since I was probably four or five years old. Um, It was about that age when I first kind of started finding that I was, happier and I guess I felt more relaxed dressing as a woman and uh, through the years it's become an extension of who I am and I kind of I, for me it's, it's a way to uh, to be more real to myself and kind of, uh, be more open and I found that I'm actually more of an extroverted outgoing person when I'm when I'm cross-dressed as opposed to you know when I was in my male form so it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's, it's, it's it's an amazing experience actually I, I love it
0: cool what's your cross-dressing experiences like
1: well, you know, they've it, it, honestly been really good. I haven't had any any bad experiences, honestly. I mean, I think when I first started cross-dressing and I really didn't quite know what my style was or, you know, what I was going for, it was just kind of one of those situations where I was experimenting with different looks. And, you know, and when I first started, it was just, it was always high heels and a miniskirt and whatever. <laughs> it was one of those things where I, I didn't quite know my vein of dressing yet. So it was... It was really interesting to me over the years, and I look back on how I used to dress, and it's a completely different uh, sense of style yeah. now. I think I've, I've matured, and since I've matured a little bit more, I kind of dress more sensibly as a general rule, and it, um, it, I found that you know the key to passing, is in, at least for me anyways, is, is uh, not that it's important, but the key for, for me anyways is to feel comfortable, I have to feel like I can blend in and be just a part of the crowd, and that, that's what seems to work best for me
0: we talk about passing a lot on that podcast, but you said it's not important for you or is it important for you?
1: Well, I mean, a certain, to a certain degree it is, because if it wasn't, then I would, I would still be dressed outlandishly the way I used to dress. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it's more of passing for me is just, it's not necessarily, I don't want to say it being ignored because that sounds kind of like bad, but mm-hmm. I think just blending in, I think to me, blending in, even if it's, You know, even if I do get clocked here and there, I mean, I've never gotten any responses. I've never gotten anybody who said anything untowards, you know, against me. And the funny thing is, uh, is usually teenage girls, I've noticed, and young kids, they can spot you from two football fields away. And I have not gotten any response from either of those groups, which I've been very, very surprised because I don't at all consider myself passable, uh, extremely passable. The only thing I have going for me is...
0: I've seen your photos. Just totally
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, I have my height going for me. That's about it. And I'm, you know, I'm short. That's what I have going for me. Being 5'4, it's pretty amazing. Uh, my choice in clothes really opens up being short. But the problem that I have is because I have a very common shoe size for women, which is about eight and a half or nine. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anytime I find something cute, it's either too small or too big. So <laughs> right. that I have to deal with.
0: <laughs> I think yeah, all girls have that problem. <laughs> yeah. So you say you dress up. Do you dress up in public then? Because you said there's girls that look at you or are able to clock you or are able to find you.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I think I, I've been dressing in public since. Gosh, I must have been about maybe, probably 22, 23 years old is when I first started really venturing out. And even then, it was it was just only to I'd go to you know, different gay bars or whatever. And in those environments, I felt like it was you know it wouldn't really cause much of a stir. And I, as I started to get more confidence, I started to get a little bit more. I don't want to say adventurous. I began to explore my options in fashion. And I found that as the years went by, my outfits became a little bit more, I don't want to say conservative, but more appropriate to whatever location I was going to as opposed to, you know, wearing high heels to the supermarket. You know, I'd, I'd go wearing, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe a denim skirt and some flats and something, you know, something pretty you know, simple.
0: Got it. Got it. So you're a reasonable crossdresser. You're not an extreme dresser, you'd say. Like you said, high heels
1: when I first started, I I guess you could consider myself extreme because I did, you know, bold makeup and super tight dresses and skirts and that kind of thing. And that was what I felt initially was, you know, if I wanted to present as a woman, I thought that I had to be ultra feminine and I would never wear anything that didn't resemble a skirt or a dress. When I first started, yeah, I went, you know, I went all out and I did, you know, very bold makeup and that kind of thing. And I found as the years have gone on, I still go out and I still get dressed up. But nowadays it's like maybe a, some knee high, you know, flat boots and maybe a cute denim skirt or a sweater dress or something like that. But I still try to, if I'm going to do bold eye makeup, I usually rely on one of my friends who's a makeup artist and I have them help me with it because I'm still learning.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you have friends that help you crossdress. So are you open about your crossdressing to like your friends and family or is it just you only really, like some friends know?
1: I think for the most part, I think within the last maybe four and a half months, I think I've started to kind of open up who I am to all these people. And there was a few individuals in my in my inner circle who actually knew, and a few family members, and a few of them kind of suspected, kind of saw things here and there, but it never really vocalized it. But as I've started to come out of my shell, I've made a, a much much larger group of friends, and I have a, you know quite a quite a fair number of friends here in, in San Antonio that I talk to and I hang out with, and you know we trade. My you know, makeup secrets and that kind of thing, and it's uh it's been a great experience. And I mean, there's been a few bumps in the road here and there with some family members, but they're coming around.
0: Ah, okay. So does that mean you are in a relationship and you have a wife or girlfriend that knows about your cross dressing?
1: Actually, I do not. Once upon a time, I did about, gosh, uh, maybe about three and a half years ago, mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend, and she was, you know, she was great. I I'd known her for for many many years prior to coming out to her. Mm-hmm. Never knew when, you know, we grew up in high school together and. We reconnected uh, several years after we got out of high school together and we just started dating. And I was with her for about a year and a half and I was trying to find a way to tell her. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I wrestled with this and that and the other. And then one day, you know, we had a big cookout party at a friend's house. And, you know, the next morning she was really aloof and kind of acting, you know, strange. And I said, Hey, what's going on? And she's like, You don't remember what you told me last night? I'm like, About what? And she's like, Well, you told me that you like to cross dress. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and so I said, is that going to be a problem? And she's like, well, no, it's just, you know, I've known you for so long and we've been together for almost three years now and I don't quite know how to approach it. I said, well, I said, here's the number and email address for a couple of um, support groups for this sort of thing. And do you want to try to work through it? She said, I'm going to try. I said, okay, cool. That's all I can ask. Well, come to find out that during the course of the previous evening's conversation, I actually showed her a picture of myself all done up and thought I'd look quite nice. And some of my friends, other friends did, but she said she preferred not having that kind of a exposure to it. She wanted to kind of get warmed up to the idea. And to put this in a little bit of perspective, she was what you would call your stereotypical country girl (laughs) tomboy. You know, she wore jeans and sneakers. Her idea of dressing up is putting on a nice blouse and blue jeans and eyeliner, maybe some mascara and lipstick. That's about it. I think oh. she only owned one pair of heels and she had one dress. And as a consequence, my wardrobe was considerably bigger than hers.
0: <laughs> of course, always.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, and that was the thing is she said that she would try to um, try to deal with it. And unfortunately, as the months went on, she told me that, well, I kind of, long story short, I kind of started to get weird vibes. You know, everybody gets those vibes when something mm-hmm. isn't right in a relationship. And I, I found out that she was actually being unfaithful yeah. and that was a little too much for her. And when I confronted her about it, she said, well, you know, that the idea of me presenting as female was too much for her to handle. And that, you know, that that was something that she couldn't get used to, no matter how hard she tried. And she fairly enough, she said, it wouldn't be fair for me to ask you to be somebody else just for me, which I thought was pretty forward thinking of her. Yeah. The unfortunate I- irony in the situation was that her daughter is she's a lesbian and she oh. presents male and um, she loves her daughter unconditionally. But for somebody like me or her lover, her partner in, uh, at the time, that was too much for her to handle. So we had to go our, our separate ways after that.
0: I see. So do you think cross dressing is like a maybe a crutch or a thing that people look down upon and like that would be a problem in relationships? Or do you think it's just, I don't know, something that. As you guys could work towards.
1: She said that if I would have told her from the very beginning of our relationship, that she probably would have been more apt to accept it. And I have to give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that was the case. And um, maybe it would be a different story now. And I think that me being scared of of exposing her to that side of me that early probably did myself a disservice. And so I think that in the future, if and when I do cross that bridge, to have another relationship, I'm going to be open from the very beginning and let them know exactly what's going on so that that way there's no surprises in the end.
0: Yeah. I mean, as moving forward, so you're currently looking to date now sort of thing. And how would you approach that in a relationship? Do you think you would do you like on the first date, just go ahead and just dress up as Mindy? <laughs> They'll
1: be like, oh. I, I don't think that I would do that unless somebody like, let's say I was out somewhere and, you know, somebody <laughs> approached me and they decided that, you know, that they knew who I was and that sort of thing, which, you know, and that would be great as long as, you know, they knew, but I've been out with friends and stuff at different bars, not just gay bars, but straight bars. And I have been approached by guys and usually I'll tell them, Hey, you know what? I appreciate the attention, but I'm probably not your type of girl. And I explain it to them and every single one of them, believe it or not, has been, Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I, I thought, you know, uh, my apologies, nothing against you. It's just, you know, and that's like, no, I completely understand. I don't hold it against anybody. It's you know, we're still, you know, as far as our community is concerned, we're still kind of, I think, on the fringes of what the LGBTQ community kind of considers because some of us don't, you know, some of the community don't see us as trans and they don't see us as gay. And it's kind of a weird flux for, for cross-dressers. And I think that representation within the, within the spectrum of the LGBTQ is kind of really tough because uh, there's, there's facets of it that don't quite know how to take us. And I found that, you know, amongst the drag queens and the trans women, cross-dressers are we're usually accepted no problem for the most part. Right. But there are a few elements within the lesbian community, uh, unfortunately, and a few elements within the trans community that still have a, I guess you would call it difficulty, or maybe, just, maybe there's some growing pains associated, but they don't quite know how to accept this. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, then I think this just can take a little bit of time and education to get them on the same page with us so that they can see that we're all fighting the same fight and we're on the same team.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. That's kind of why I started this podcast and you Mm -hmm. kind of reached out to me or I reached out to you because I thought you brought up good points.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: As far as the trans community, how else do you think we can sort of as crossdressers kind of of just be able to educate others about, I don't know, are there other ways we can do it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I go to these meetings called the San Antonio Gender Association and I haven't been able to attend just because of work, but I've been to a couple of their meetings and they're really cool. primarily the groups in there is uh, mostly trans, but the thing about it, there are a few members there that actually started as cross-dressers, which it's kind of par for the course, I think anyways, you know, that I don't think that there's a trans woman out there who, you know, transitioning or completely transitioned that just woke up one day, put on a pair of heels and a dress and said, I'm a woman, and then went straight and got surgery. It doesn't work like that. At least as far as I know, for the most part, I've seen that a lot of trans women, they start out in this side of the spectrum where they, you know, they dress because they feel comfortable and then they realize later on in life that transitioning is an option for them. And, you know, and the world being what it is, we're starting to see more and more acceptance of, uh, of trans people. And I think that for the longest time, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that for years, there's been a lot of cross dressers out there that maybe a, a secretly deep down inside wanted to transition, but because the political climate or the social climate was stepping at the time, they kind of just kept it as that. And, um, I think that things are changing, and I think the, the greater visibility of the trans community, I think, is going to open up doors for those who are exclusively cross-dressers, and I think that it will add a little bit more of acceptance, but there, like I said, there is still a, it seems to be an element of small cross-sections of the trans community that kind of feel that it's, it's kind of uh, deceptive for, mm-hmm. for some cross-dressers to dress for some reason just the impression that I get with a few. It's not a lot. Like I said, I've I, almost every trans woman that I've met has been very supportive and very cool. And the ones that have been not so cool have been, you know, just passing, um, passing acquaintances that I didn't really feel a need to, uh, to garner a relationship with as far as being friends. So I, 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 it seems to be pretty positive for me for the most part. I haven't, you know, I've, I've if I've gotten any, any flack from anybody, it's been from uh, a few, strangers that didn't really know me and were pretty drunk and didn't realize what they were doing. But I've been, for the most part, pretty well accepted. in in the uh, in the straight community that I've that I've been I've, I've exposed myself to as well as the, uh, the LGBTQ community as well. Cool,
0: cool. I mean, would you like to elaborate on your terrible experiences? I mean, I've had a bunch. And I think I talk about it on that. Oh,
1: yeah. Podcast, but... um, there was one experience where I actually got a, out of work early. And I, I used to work for a, um, a mobile MRI company in Northern California. And while I was up there, you know, I had a couple of hours and didn't have anything to do, so I was like, okay, you know what? I got out of work early. I am going to go to Target and see, you know, what nice clothes they have. So I went around and I picked up a pair of shoes and you know got an outfit together, and and I uh, walked up to the um, to the dressing room, and there was a a young lady and a young man. They were probably in their mid twenties, um, and they were. I said, hey, I'd, I'd like to try on some clothes. And I said, okay, cool. So they led me back into the dressing room, and this particular dressing room was in. Direct line of sight from the the check-in desk where you get your little tag and go try on your your clothes in the back room, and as I'm getting undressed, and I you know I always wear, wear nylons whenever I'm trying on shoes just because I it kind of grosses me out to put my bare feet inside <laughs> yeah. the door so I was <laughs> wearing nylons. Well, I was trying on the um, trying on the shoes and trying on the dress, and I could hear them snickering and whispering, and I heard kind of a growing murmur of people that were at the desk. When initially it was only. and it sounded like there was at least three or four so as i'm getting dressed and i try on the shoes and i'm looking at myself in the mirror um somebody comes to the door i think it was a young man and he knocks on the door and he says you know excuse me can i help you with anything and i'm like just standing there i'm like um no and the whole time i failed to realize that since i was in direct line of view from the uh from the little check-in desk the uh the door for the dressing room only came down to about maybe mid calf. So they could obviously see that I was wearing nylons and they knew that I was not a biological woman dressed and mm-hmm. they could, I could hear them snickering and I just felt like this overwhelming sense of, of embarrassment and being mortified. And I got dressed as quick as I could. And I walked out of the dressing room and I just threw this stuff on the counter and I walked off and they were laughing at me. And I, it was just, it was a very, very difficult experience. And, I almost, at that point, I almost swore off cross-dressing completely just because I was afraid that I would have that reaction no matter what I did. Mm. And as a result, you know, I, I, there was a, there was a probably a, I have to say maybe at least a good five-year break in my cross-dressing during wow. that period. And I found that it was a learning, it was a learning experience because that five years that I spent not cross-dressing, I became very dark. I became very spiteful and angry and Ill mannered, and I just was not a very well adjusted person. Mm. I found that for me, you know, and I'm sure there's others out there who could probably relate to this, but for me, anyways, the outlet of cross dressing is an extraordinarily powerful experience. And it actually helps you, the individual, I think, release a lot of stress and expose the softer emotions that wouldn't normally be exposed because you can't do that as a stereotypical macho guy. So I think that being able to express that side of me. It, to me, it's helped me blossom as a person. But I found out that suppressing it exclusively to the point to where I never even showed any signs of cross-dressing really made me uh, a maladjusted person and really put me in a dark place.
0: Hmm. I mean, it's funny because I'm going to talk about, I'm actually recording a purging episode now. That'll be up soon. Would ah. you consider you purged then? If you oh, want yeah. to explain what Purging is that sort of thing for those non-cross-dressing audience.
1: Yeah, it happened to me. Yeah, I actually, during that time frame, I got all the stuff, which I had several pairs of very expensive shoes, at least two pairs of human hair wigs, and quite a lot of dresses and skirts and um, lingerie. And I just put it all into a box and threw it into a dumpster behind them mall and swore it off and said, I'm not going to do that ever again. I, You know, that's not who I am. And I'm going to try to live this stereotypical, you know, macho guy type of lifestyle, which I think that a crossdresser can do. I mean, you can just balance it. But I, myself at the time, I thought that that, that was either one or the other, either A, you're crossdress and that's all you did, or B, you're some kind of macho guy and that was your life. And I didn't know that there's actually people out there who express themselves equally on both sides of the spectrum. And it's actually an option. And if I would have known that years ago, I'd probably be a way different person now, that's for sure.
0: Right. Um. The Yeah, that, <laughs> that fear and pain, that that must suck. Is that why you went to seek, I guess, the transgender community in San Antonio when you went to the meetings? Yeah. Or is this, yeah.
1: Well, that was the thing. It's when I told my ex-girlfriend about it, I hadn't yet been to any of the meetings yet. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, reach out to the to the people out there at the, you know, the gender association and see what they can tell you. And she spoke to, at great length with one of the people that was in the group. And for whatever reason, it just, you know, it just didn't really sit well with her. And it was after we broke up that I finally started going to the meetings. And I went to a couple here and there. And I saw that, you know what, I'm not a weirdo. I'm not something that should be shunned or embarrassed of. And, you know, started going out to the different bars. And I had a friend of mine who's, um, she was in the military. She's not uh, in, the, in Texas anymore. But she took me out to my first straight bar. She took me out to my first movie while I was dressed. And it was a mind-blowing experience. Okay. It was something that I would have never, ever considered doing on my own. And you know, for any crossdressers that are out there listening, first of all, for safety's sake, always go out with a friend or a group of friends. And second of all, don't be afraid to ask help for when it comes to your outfit and your makeup. Because if you feel comfortable and you feel like you're expressing yourself in a way that makes you feel like you're valid and it may, in a way that makes you feel like you're comfortable with yourself, then being comfortable is probably the most important part of "Quote unquote," passing that I think anybody could have. If you're confident and you feel good about yourself, then at the end of the day, that carries over and you look like like somebody who should just blend in and be a part of the crowd and be engaged. And that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about when I went out with my friend Gina. She's like I said, she's no longer here in Texas, but um, you know, went to a straight bar and we just started hanging out. And there was a group of girls having a girls' night, and we started hanging out with them, and it was a great time. We closed down the bar, and it was a lot of fun. And was nice to be accepted as a, as part of the, part of the girl group for that night. It was, it was a really great experience.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Now, how would you recommend for crossdressers out there to approach a friend or to approach someone, you know, a girl, that I don't know, acquaintance or whatever to say, Hey, would you be okay with me crossdressing? I mean, how is that coming out at all? Like experience? I mean, other, because it's a girlfriend is different than, you know, your random friend who's a girl. Yeah.
1: If it's a random female friend, I think it's actually, you know, the the fe- random female friends that I've had that knew me before I came out, they were actually crazy supportive. It was really surprising, and it's I always liken it to a big sister taking care of a younger sister. It was an experience where you you tell them, and they're like, "Oh my god, let me see a picture," and you show them a picture, and they're like, "Oh wow, this is cool. I like those shoes. Or I like that outfit." Or- Or, you know what, girlfriend, you need to do a little bit more work on this. And and it's it's a constructive, very positive, nurturing experience coming out to most women. Um, There's a few out there that are kind of like, whoa, you know, it's kind of strange to them and they don't quite know how to react. But the vast majority of my female platonic friends have been greatly supportive. Um, You know, they have nothing but uh, nothing but good advice. They're like, oh, finally, I can take a guy shopping with me and he's not going to, you know, get bored. (laughs) So it was, it was, it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's an amazing experience, you know, uh, platonic female friends, by hands down by far are the best, regardless of age, they've always been really cool. So another
0: th- issue that I've had with, or, or talking to other crossdressers is knowing the difference between whether you're a crossdresser or you're uh, further trans, like, how did you know you were, I don't know, I don't you are you a heterosexual crossdresser? Do you want to, are you trans? Do you want to transition? Like, what's that process or how has that process been for you?
1: Well, you know, and, and that's the thing uh, for me. It was, it was a very difficult kind of soul searching time for for me when I first started to come to grips with who I was. When I first came out, I mean, I I when I first started cross dressing, I thought, okay, maybe I'm gay. You know, that's that's who I am. And then I I started to think about it. it's like, you know, what maybe I'm not gay, you know, because I still find women attractive and that kind of thing. And I find I can look at a at a man and and say, you know, what he's an attractive guy, but I've I've just never been quite. I don't know. I just can't see myself in a relationship with a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I, I can say that they're attractive. It's just for some reason, the few instances I've had where I've been, you know, you know, friendly with a guy, it's just, it just, it, they haven't been positive. And I don't want to say that that completely rules out the possibility that I may maybe be attracted to a guy, but from what I've learned so far, I haven't been. Mm-hmm. So, And I think that that goes against the misconception that many, many people have is that, if you're a cross-dresser, you're automatically gay. And right. one of the arguments that my ex-girlfriend had was she said, well, you know, how, how come you want to, you know, look pretty if you're not trying to attract the guy? I said, you know what? There's plenty of lesbians out there that really like, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, feminine guys or guys that, you know, that dress like this. And unfortunately, she wasn't one of them. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. so as far as where I put myself on the gender spectrum, I think that kind of right now I'm. On the cusp, I guess, of considering myself trans. But I think because of still my family relationship is still in flux. So there's kind of, I, I don't think that I'm ready to make that leap yet, but I haven't quite ruled it out as far as it being a possibility in the not too distant future.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, you've answered a lot of the questions, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, great. How do you feel about body image for a crossdresser I mean, I haven't even talked about that with a lot of people, but you've got a great body. Thank you. <laughs> like you're I guess you, you know, have a regimen like what's your uh, process of dressing up that sort of thing.
1: Oh, yeah. As a general rule, I'm always completely shaven head to toe. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I've been doing that for, for quite many years. And oh, gosh, it is a chore. But you know what? It, that's just me. And that's a lot of that's the thing about it is there's a lot of cross dressers out there. Who, because of family circumstances, health issues, or maybe even just their personal preference, choose to not shave. And when I was younger, I always had the impression that a crossdresser or a woman in particular had to present as female and had to have, you know, perfectly shaved and smooth skin, perfect makeup, you know, no hairy legs, nothing like that. But nowadays, as far as the community, the spectrum of you know lesbians, gays, and transsexuals, and everything else in between. You can fall in the middle of it and you can present as female with the full beard or, you know, that kind of thing, which I think kind of it dances with the idea of drag, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. If some people are cool with that. That's fine. But for me, um, I know my, my personal expression has to be is I have to present as much as I can as female. And that's why on occasion I will pluck my eyebrows, even though, oh, my gosh, it hurts so bad. And I'm a big limp when it comes to it. Yeah. But as far as my body, I keep it completely shaven, and I make sure that I have a pedicure at least uh, 90% of the time, and (laughs) I try to keep things as feminine as possible when it comes to presenting as female. So yeah, it's it's a very difficult regimen trying to dress as a woman and present as female, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Totally is, agreed. Uh, Because I don't dress up that often either. I mean, I have a pedicure now. Um, Do you do your own pedicures? Do you go somewhere for them?
1: Yeah, I, I do it most of the time on my own, but my gosh, it is like, I have to be a contortionist to do it right. I do a fair <laughs> pedicure myself, but I can't really, I can't do anything cute. I have to have my friends do it for me.
0: <laughs> I'm sure the cross, yes, podcast listeners want to know what's in your wardrobe. What's your like go-to LBD? Do you have like your style that you're into that like...
1: Yeah, well, you know, for me, I think the, the occasion dictates the wardrobe. Obviously, I'm not going to yeah. wear, you know, a slinky black sequin dress to, you know, uh, Walmart to go shopping. <laughs> Which, a... hey, I,
0: I wouldn't judge. I've seen that before. I don't like, Really? Yeah. yeah
1: as far as my um, wardrobe is concerned, I mean, really, it, it runs the gamut from exceptionally sexy little tiny black dress, you know, skin tight with stiletto heels, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, something as simple as a denim skirt and some, you know, some spare boat shoes and, you know, a, a little blouse. I, I mean, I would love to have, you know, the money to have a huge wardrobe full of designer clothes. But believe it or not, and I wish I would have discovered this way, way sooner, but thrift stores like Goodwill and Salvation Army have awesome, awesome deals on clothes. And you'd be surprised how some of the nice stuff you can find there. And it's just like, mm-hmm. and I'm talking name brand stuff. I'm not just talking, you know, the stuff that you get cast off from Walmart or, <laughs> or you know, places like that. I mean, not, you know, not to knock Walmart, <laughs> but I mean, uh, Clothes-wise, I think that, you know, I would have to describe my wardrobe as kind of um, Goodwill chic, I guess you could call it. I find different pieces <laughs> at Goodwill and I try to mix and match. And And I found that, you know, if you get one staple piece, like let's say a little black skirt, I mean, there's a million and one different combinations that you can use to um, to dress it up or dress it down or, you know, that kind of thing. So I think as far as cross-dressing is concerned, you know, if I would have had this this advice when I was younger is... You know, pick up staple pieces, things that are going to work well with various different types of outfits. And um, so that way you can mix and match and you can stretch your dollar. And a little black dress, you know, for Saturday night can also work for brunch if you if it's in the right accessories with it, too. So try to try to be thrifty with your with your purchases. And if you're going to buy a statement piece, don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money on it, because that's going to be your focal point when you go out dressed. And you can always dress it up or dress down, depending on the occasion. Good points. Good
0: points there, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how often do you dress up? I mean, it seems like it's, is it, it's occasion based, but every day do you wear something? I mean, you know, you said your nails are painted, but like, it's okay.
1: usually uh, it's at least maybe at least twice a week, maybe three times a week, depending if, you know, if I have something to do on Sunday, I'll usually do it on Friday and Saturday. And But if I have something going on in the middle of the week, I'll, I'll dress up in the middle of the week. If I'm going to hang out with friends for, you know, for coffee after work or something, I'll do something like that. But um, yeah, it's at least three to four times a week, I guess you could say.
0: And and you mean when I say cross dressing, you you go all out like shaven body, full makeup.
1: Oh yeah, yep, everything. Yeah, I I mean I don't really have much much facial hair to begin with. You know I'm kind of lucky in that respect. But, <laughs> you know, and, and what does grow is kind of sparse, and it really isn't thick. I don't you know I don't look like Fred Flintstone or anything, but <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I go all out. I you know the thing I have to do is is finally break down and get my eyebrows tweezed or threaded, and you know get that done. But it's just I'm I, I can. I can stand just about any pain, but for some reason my eyebrows getting waxed or tweezed or, or, oh, it's just almost unbearable. So I try to keep them manageable, but uh, yeah, when I go out, I go out, you know, it's full makeup and now that my hair is finally long enough, I can actually style it. So, which is nice. So (laughs) So that's Um, what I usually do.
0: So like, even at home, do you normally just wear like girl pajamas at the house? Do you wear just that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll usually wear like, you know, some girl pajamas or, you know, I'll, I have a pair of um Victoria's Secret pink uh, booty shorts. I'll, I guess I'll wear those every once in a while with, mm. you know, like a little half shirt or something, you know, just when I'm around the house, obviously when nobody's around because I feel kind of exposed. But, you know, if I'm hanging out with friends and we're having a, you know, a girl's night in watching a movie or something, it'll probably just be a pair of sweats and maybe a little little belly shirt or something like that, and slippers. Gotcha.
0: gotcha. Now, how long does the whole process take? Everybody always likes to know like, oh, your makeup, your makeup looks pretty good. I've seen your photos online um how long does that take the whole like from you to get from guy mode to mindy mode how long is that
1: well if that includes shaving as well yes (laughs) okay so i have shaving and plucking uh including wardrobe selection uh and changing outfits several times because i always do that um (laughs) and and, uh including makeup i think start to finish i would it would probably be the better part of maybe two and a half hours at least And that's, that's, that's if I don't, if I don't have my body shaved, if I'm, I'm, if my body is shaved, then all I have to do is, you know, trim up my face because my hair grows on my face, obviously. And my makeup takes about 20 minutes for daytime makeup. And then for evening makeup, it's maybe about 35, give or take.
0: Wow. And how did you learn how to do makeup or do you have your friends do it for you or
1: is it? Well, it's a little bit of both. When I first started doing my makeup, I would make small talk with my mom and my sister when they were doing their makeup and i was just taking mental notes the whole time and just making small talk about nothing and everything just so i could stand there and watch them and mm-hmm. then little bit by little bit i started you know reading different books and going through different fashion magazines and trying to find the right look for myself and that kind of stuff and it was kind of a trial and error process and i think even to this day it's it's something that i have to i mean i'm still learning to this day i i watch youtube videos religiously on makeup and foundations and different products and things like that and And like I said, I I use my my platonic girlfriends as resources because they love to teach. And all it takes is a little bit of asking and they'll be more than happy to jump in and help. So it's um, like I said, if a woman says that she knows everything about makeup, she's probably lying because everybody's always learning something different Mm -hmm. because that change and products change too. So it's always a learning process for me.
0: And do you have go-to products to use for makeup that you'd like to share that works best for you?
1: Yeah, let's see. I I found there's a not that I'm advertising. I don't. I'm not getting paid for this or anything. But there's a company called um, Unique that makes a um, it's called Unique Liquid Mineral Foundation, which I've found is the best. It it's about I think forty dollars plus for a little bottle, which is about the size comparable to a standard bottle you would get from Mac or Sephora for foundation, and it's liquid. And this stuff is like. Two or three drops will cover almost your whole face. It's, it's so sheer, and it's water-based, so it's, it's not heavy. I have a really oily T-zone, so it's, it's something that works well for me. I choose the color, which is taffeta. That's the color that they sell. And the thing about uh, Unique is you can only buy it through online distributors. So I'm sure if your listeners are listening and they look up YouTube, I'm sorry, uh, Unique uh, makeup presenters, or they can find a million of them in their area. I found that spending a little bit of money on foundation is very, very important um, because foundation is going to literally set the foundation for your makeup. But also I found that spending a little bit of money on lipstick and eyeshadow is very, very important because lipstick gets a lot of work throughout the day, you know, whether you're eating or drinking drinks or whatever, it's going to, you're going to need a long lasting one. So I like to use Mac. Mac and Sephora has Mm -hmm. some really really cool products. And uh, I know that Jeffree Star has some, now some people may not like Jeffree Star for Oh yeah. <laughs> Any number of reasons, but I know he had some cool stuff, but um, I've, I've sworn off Jeffrey Starr, but if you want to use it, that's entirely up to you. But, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, and then as far as uh, pressed powders and things like that, I mean, I've, I've found some decent shades and products for CoverGirl that actually work well with, with the unique liquid uh, foundation and uh, the drugstore stuff will work fine. But when it comes to long wearing stuff, especially if you're doing an evening look, I think that Spending a little bit of Mac uh, money at Mac or Sephora will go a long way when it comes to your lipstick and your eyeshadows. So, and mascara and eyeliner, I mean, that's those are pretty much uh, you can you can buy good quality stuff in drugstore, I think, anyways. But I'm sure there's a lot of girls out there who might disagree. But I I buy my eyeliner and mascara at Target, so <laughs> works well. Yeah, you know it's funny? You're the first
0: person I ever asked about makeup for one of my guests. I should ask more of my guests about makeup.
1: I, I, there's a lot of girls out there that would you know a lot of cross-dressers that, and and even girls, I'm sure that would they would love to hear um love to hear you know the different sides of it because you know I think as far as crossdressers are concerned we we try a lot of product before we finally get <laughs> settled in on one thing because we're always looking for ways to better our look.
0: Indeed. Well, in, in terms of passing, right? Like you were saying. Oh yeah, yeah. It's important. Um, you were talking about your um. Well, first off, how old are you? You made like several references that I don't know if the younger podcasters will understand, like the Flintstones reference. <laughs> I was like, people don't actually. I thought about that. People would be like, "Wait, what's the Flintstones?" And I'm like, "Damn it!"
1: Well, for me, I, I, I'm actually as as I will say, 43 years young. So. Oh,
0: you're young. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
1: So I'll be turning 44 this August. So. Oh,
0: <gasps> wait. What day in August? Because.
1: Uh, August, August
0: 24th. Oh, that's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, sweet, sweet. <laughs> Uh, mine's on the on the 9th. I just no. wanted to check. No. August
1: 9th.
0: <laughs> well, cool. The other thing was, um, so you were talking about your your sister and your mom, and do they know?
1: My sister knew first, um, just because I just, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of gauge her. I figured she'd be the one that was coolest with it, and of course she was. And I came out to my mom, and she's presently on the fence, um, <laughs> leaning towards being accepting because she knows that this isn't something that's going to go away. So she's, uh, she's, she's getting there. She's getting there. I, I don't think I can go to Sunday dinner yet, quite <laughs> just yet, but yeah, she's yeah. seen pictures and she says, you look just like me. So I guess that's a good thing. Oh, nice.
0: Now, <laughs> but um, did they find out or did you have to tell them? Oh, you said that she knew, like, what,
1: how did they know? Like- well, they always suspected because when, when I was a teenager, they always saw that my legs were shaved and they are like you know, at first they were like, you know, when's your leg hair going to grow on? And then, then, you know, eventually they started to figure out that, oh, you know, he's shaving his legs. And they they didn't really say too much about it because I played soccer when I was younger. So I would tell them that I shaved because I taped up my ankles and my knees and they were like, okay, that's cool. But, you know, then I quit playing soccer and I was still shaving it. And they're like, oh, okay. And like I said, they probably had, you know, ideas that maybe I was gay, but they weren't going to say anything about it. They were just kind of let me do my own thing. And and then finally, I think about, like I said, about four months, four and a half months ago when I finally came out to them, they were like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. But mom's still on the fence. She's getting there, but she'll get there eventually.
0: Okay. Um, you're the second person, on, second guest on the podcast that's from Texas. Now, is there like a huge like community of cross in Texas? She was from, well, I forget where, but... It,
1: it seems like in San Antonio, there seems to be a pretty good, um, uh, pretty good amount of us. However... There are not very many who actually go out. I mean, there's a few of them that they'll dress up and maybe go from their house to the bar and maybe hang out for a couple of hours and and that, but that's about it. Um, there's a few that go to the, the support meetings, um, but they don't always show up. I mean, like myself, I guess you could say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, as far as cross-dressers that go out and let's say and decide, okay, you know what? We're going to go to the movies first and then go to the bar afterwards. Or, I have only found maybe two that are willing to do that. Um, even though there's a large community, I think that San Antonio is the big city with a small town feel, I like to say. So there's a few people out there, you know, that, like I said, uh, that I do that I know that will go out with me and hang out to different bars, even the straight bars. But for the most part, um, most of the crossdressers uh, that I do know, they'll, they'll go to, they'll go exclusively to a gay bar and that's pretty much it.
0: Hmm. And, and people, I mean, I've never, I mean, I didn't go to gay bar. I mean, I guess the first experience I had cross dressing in public was West Hollywood. I don't know if you know West Hollywood in LA. It's like a major, you know, gay community for mm-hmm. Southern, for LA. Oh um, yeah. And, you know, you want to be accepted there. It, do, do you think, do you think people go to gay bars because they will be accepted or they will be, there's that sense of, I don't know. Well, I, I, I,
1: I think that there's probably a, there's already, there's already, there's already going to be a preconceived notion that there's going to be quote unquote drag Queens out there. So you know, somebody who goes out there dressed, you know, as a woman and they're biologically male, they'll probably get less looks, which is, as a general rule, how it goes. Um, I've only, like I said, I've, I've never really had any really bad experiences. I mean, I, I've had friends who said they've had bad ex- experiences, but it's never been with me. And I, as far as I know, they're, they're very few and far between. So, I mean, I think going out to the gay bars here in San Antonio it's pretty much a sure bet that you're going to have a good time and you probably won't run into any major problems as far as I can see so far, but everybody's experience is different. But you know, for me, I've been pretty fortunate and my friends have been pretty fortunate for the most part.
0: That's great. That's great. Mm -hmm. Take like someone who's new to the, like, I guess the support group thing. Like what does that entail? If like, say I'm, I need, I need, I guess help or I go to one of these meetings, what should I expect or how does that go?
1: Oh yeah. The meetings are actually really, really cool. They don't, they kind of the group is you know it's a core group of, of 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 gals and guys trans guys and trans girls and you know everybody in between the spectrum they know that when somebody is new kind of let them blossom on their own as opposed to try to engage them so there, there's always this fear of when you're going to the group which i had of course when i first did it was that i was going to get bombarded with a million and one questions about who i was and where i was in the spectrum and this that and the other but it wasn't i went in and, I just said hello to the group and they said hi back and they would have their they would have their group meetings and discuss their topics and then you know if I felt that I had something to add or interject about a particular subject then I would engage it and little bit by little bit they kind of let you blossom on your own and become more active in the group and get to know everybody and then after the meeting is over then they have an hour called social hour where you just kind of sit there and you can talk to people and get to know everybody so that that way if you go to a meeting again you'll know everybody by name and. it can open up greater uh, so that people can see who you are and hopefully uh, you know, make you comfortable enough to where you can invite more people and the group could grow. Cool.
0: And these meetings are free. Someone can just go online and find transgender like support group and then find it?
1: Yeah. For San Antonio, it's called the San Antonio Gender Alliance and it's completely free. If you do want to join, I think they have member fees. I can't remember exactly how much. I don't want to quote anything because I'm not sure, but they do have member fees and that it helps support the the events and stuff that the 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 gender association does as well. They also have sponsors that help them out with different events. You know, visibility events. And they do uh clothes drives for trans youth, and it's a really cool. A really cool organization. I'm pretty sure every major city uh should have something similar. I think if you were to reach out through GLAD, every state has its own GLAD um chapter, and if you reach out to them, they can they could point you out to the um. LGBTQ um, alliances that are in your local city, so that, that way you can hook up with people and and start to meet individuals that are uh, that are in the community. that can help somebody blossom if they wanted to go that route.
0: That's true. You came out, or I mean, you've come out already, sort of in public, kind of. Um, well, no, you have, but mm-hmm. like for someone who is a new crossdresser and not understanding, what kind of like recommendations can you tell them, or sort of like help them come out to their family members or significant
1: others? Well, I, I think that being honest and straightforward um is, is is bar none the best course of action. I think, but most importantly is I think they have to prepare themselves mentally, just because a lot of times um we all get these urges to just say, you know, this is what I do and that kind of thing. But the thing about it is you have to understand is you're gonna get bombarded with a million and one questions. And if you just sit there in silence and let people Assume the worst, then that's exactly what they'll do. they'll assume the worst and they'll make really bad snap judgments about you so I think the best thing that an individual can do is to come out to somebody uh who's a, a good friend, a platonic friend and tell them and gauge their response and then whatever feel whatever questions that they have so that that way they can mentally prepare themselves for those same questions that are going to come from significant others and family members and if they are prepared and can answer the questions um in a way that sounds confident, then it instills a little bit of uh, well, not a little bit, but I think it instills a lot of confidence in the family to understand that the person that is coming out is making the right choice. Because if you come out and you sound really iffy and wishy washy about you know your your where you stand in the spectrum, then people automatically get the opinion that if they don't approve of it, then they can sway you. So I think it's really important that the individual, whether they're a crossdresser or trans you know, at least in my opinion, um, be confident in their decision. And when they speak to loved ones, especially close family members to let them know exactly what's going on. And that most importantly, they're still the same person. They're just looking a little differently. That's all. And I think that's the most important thing is, and even if it's just, you know, even if it's cross-dressing, you know, if if it's, if it means sanity and being well-rounded when it comes to who you are and your interactions with your family and friends, I think that they would much rather have you, you know, presenting as female or cross-dressing and being happy than being some macho grumpy guy who just wasn't getting along with anybody in the family so i think right
0: it's- right right and i mean you said you had to put up that machismo front and stuff like how was yeah. that yeah
1: um it was very difficult um it was you know i i it, it was i mean i i took traditionally male jobs to try to you know butch myself out. And like I said, it's
0: what's a traditionally male job for those. who? Oh,
1: um, like I was, I was actually a police officer for, for a couple of years. Oh, you're a cop. Hmm. Yep. Yep. And I took that job and I found out really quick that it wasn't, um, it wasn't who I was. And I think I was, I was trying to play a role that, um, society was telling me that I needed to play in order to feel valid in who I was. And I just knew that at the end of the day, I was just, I was, um, I was, Pretending to be something that I wasn't, and um, ultimately, my I feel better now working in the healthcare field. I'm a nurse, so I mean, I I, I feel better doing what I'm doing now. And I think yeah, you're it, a nurse too. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So it, it works out pretty great. I, I mean, I feel pretty comfortable. And and when I came out to my coworkers, they were they were just you know extremely supportive, very very cool, very engaging, a million and one pertinent que- pertin questions, and they were always they were all really friendly about it. So it was it was a great experience with my workmates.
0: and that's the end of our interview guys sorry it ended so abruptly we did have some technical difficulties at the end but we did have a great interview nonetheless I hope you guys uh, have a great rest of May Uh, it was so quick, went by so fast June's coming up, we have Pride next week I'll probably post next week's episode with regards to Pride maybe I'll talk about being in drag maybe I'll talk more about gender maybe I'll have an interview up, we'll see but I hope you guys stay tuned, it'll be good thank you again guys for listening it means a lot with all the content out there it means a lot to me that you guys are listening to this and that's it as always guys keep it fresh stay blessed and remember you're gorgeous again guys i am not here to diagnose or treat anything but i'm here to offer my story i hope that in turn you learn more about me Learn more about yourself and about the world of cross-dressing.